Happy Friday to all and welcome to NSN Daily brought to you by the Donut Auto Group. Chris Murray and Brian Samudio here with you. A very happy Friday for us that yeah. we've just been able to announce uh, some, some big news that we'll get to here in just a second. Uh, playoffs tonight. We're going to have uh, Reed and Douglas for you tonight here on Nevada Sportsnet, 7 o'clock. Uh, another Gardnerville native and a Douglas Tiger representing the red, white, and blue. We'll tell you what Stephen Jacobo is up to. We're going to check in with Julian Delgadio down in San Diego, who's uh, covering Nevada football on the road against number 24 San Diego State but most importantly you just put it out it depends on uh, what time of your state you're watching this show but it's on our website that uh, we are going to partner with the University of Nevada and televise a bunch of men's and women's basketball games yeah really cool nine men's and women's basketball games we're gonna have uh, three men's games uh, six women's games the first one is Saturday yeah, <laughs> tomorrow the women's game Saturday so uh, getting right into it and then the uh, men's game on Tuesday so yeah. a couple of uh, games coming up on our uh, airwaves over the next couple of days and these run all the way through February as well there's four uh, Mountain West games from the women's schedule uh, all three of the men's games are uh, during the non-conference schedule, but just a great opportunity, I think, for Nevada and certainly a great opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're going to do pre- and post-game shows. We're yep. going to have features of Wolfpack athletes. So it should just be a really nice, well-rounded broadcast. We're going to have a lot of Wolfpack alums, Ethan O'Brien, Keith Few, Shashley Jones. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of people involved, but uh, something that I know we've been working on for a long time. So really cool to be able to announce that and to uh, be able to, you know, put some more local games uh, yeah. live on our airwaves, which is something that we've been trying to do as, as we we build this thing out. I want to give kudos on both sides. Uh, Chad Hartley, Jack Kustomar, of course, Doug Newth, um, on the folks at Learfield, we're our partnership and being able to help us get through the, the, the muck and the red tape to try and be able to do this. And uh, on our side, it was certainly our general manager, Amy Chapman, and Alex Margulies. I mean, he's been just literally just going through with a fine tooth comb. How can we get this to work? Uh, the first men's game will be November 12th against Texas Arlington, and then the, uh, December 4th, Santa Clara, December 18th against Texas Southern on the women's as you said first one's going to be Sac State on Saturday that's that's going to be tomorrow and then the Nugget Classic and San Jose State into Mount now you get into Mount West play San Jose State San Diego State Boise State and New Mexico and this is ultimately what we wanted to be able to get into and and now we're just over a year into our into our life as a, as a regional sport net, sports network and mm -hmm. down the line I mean we, we want to continue to expand and, and get into well, more Wolfpack baseball last year we were able to put the Mountain West Baseball Championships on the air want to get into softball we've mm -hmm. spoken with with folks over there and they would love to get on the air and we'd love to have them but uh, that's what this is all about is not just the University of Nevada it's Nevada as a region and regional sports network and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun and we truly appreciate all the help we've had on both sides yeah no it's been really really cool and like you said this is just the beginning I mean mm -hmm. we're have baseball games we're gonna have softball games we don't have all those things worked out so yep. obviously you can't announce okay we're gonna have these specific games but there are so many sports up there you know you have women's soccer you have tennis now some sports are easier to do than others oh, some yeah. are a little bit more well set up to be able to do a broadcast but yeah like you said this was the goal was to be able to get you as much sports as possible uh, so you can watch it on our channel and, and try and connect a little bit more with the Wolfpack and hopefully that means that you go out to uh, you know a few more games than you would before mm -hmm. so uh, you know just the start of things but uh, obviously when you can get a men's basketball game on TV that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you're talking about ESPN, CBS Sports, uh, Stadium. A lot of people have the rights to these games. Yes. So for those, uh, you know, for us to be able to get three of those is a huge, huge deal for us. And I think it's a big deal for Nevada as well to be able to connect with the local fans. That is one thing I did want to explain is that, you know, as much as we want to, <laughs> there are just times where you can't because ESPN will go and bid and, and, and take yeah. those take those rights and spend a ton of money and, and take those rights. Uh, let's get into both games that are coming up this weekend. Start off with the men against, uh, against Loyola Marymount. You had your key 
keys, three keys, if you want to read it mm -hmm. on NevadaSportsNet.com, your three keys to victory and a prediction. Yeah, so I, I looked at Loyal a little bit more. So they lost their top scorer. He was kind of like a do-it-all guard. And then uh, they have a seven-foot-three center uh, who opted to redshirt this year. Mm -hmm. His mom was going through a cancer battle, so he opted to sit the season out, go back home overseas. So they're down a couple of, of pretty good players from last season, but they also returned three of their top five scorers. So yeah. it's a pretty quality team. And one interesting thing that I saw when I was looking at them is they just don't shoot a lot of three-pointers. This is a team that was third lowest in the nation last year in three-point percentage rate. So they're a team that likes to play inside out. Uh, they kind of play old-school basketball. All of these teams nowadays are trying to shoot as many threes as possible. I think 44% of Nevada shots last year were three-pointers. Uh, for Loyola, it was only like 24%. So this is a team where I think Nevada's interior defense has to be a lot better than it was against Utah. Nevada mm -hmm. did a very good job against Utah running the Utes off the three-point line, but then they gave up a lot of easier baskets uh, around the basket. So that has to be an area of focus for Nevada. And then the rebounding is a huge key for me. Right, Obviously, right. minus 19 against Utah. They're a much bigger team, though. Loyola Marymount uh, kind of tops out at six foot eight in the starting lineup. So Nevada should be able to out-rebound uh, Loyola, the Lions, in this game. And then the third key for me, uh, in, in defending the in interior and the rebounding, the third key was just give Lindsey Drew some help. He's not going to go out there and score 30 points, eight assists, six rebounds again. So they need a little bit more diversity of scoring, a little bit more efficient scoring from Jazz Johnson and Nisrae Zuzalan in particular. And we don't expect Jalen Harris yeah. uh, to be rushed back from that, that sprained foot. The one thing just off the top of your off the top of the eyeballs is that you look at the roster and half of them are from overseas. Yeah. Uh, a lot of foreign flair with this team as well. I, I you know, give kudos to whoever does play-by-play. -play. I don't know who does play-by-play <laughs> for Loyola Marymount, but, but kudos to you, man, because a lot of those things are pretty difficult to uh, to pronounce. But uh, a lot of uh, recruiting overseas going on at Loyola Marymount. And I expect Nevada women's basketball to go to 2-0 with a win over Sac State. I mean, Sacramento State will come in. This is a young team, but at the same time, Nevada does have some transfers that they can continue to gel. I think this is a... a, a a good test against a team that, you know, technically Nevada, it's a lower tier than, than mm -hmm. the Mountain West. It's a team that Nevada should go out and, and, and take care of. Yeah, I think that's the case for both of these games is the, both Nevada teams should go out and win. If they mm -hmm. don't, it's going to be an upset. Uh, you have to love what you've seen from the women so far. I mean, the exhibition game, they absolutely blew out their opponent. Uh, and then they come against a very strong St. Mary's team, and, and they make the key plays in, in the fourth quarter. And I think that's what was really cool to see. Uh, not only did they have a diversity of scoring, but when the game was on the line, they made the big plays. And with a young group trying to still figure out your roles a lot of these players had not played together outside of a couple games in Spain uh, it was nice to see they were able to finish strong mm -hmm. uh, so that that was a, a huge positive for them and and as we talked about before the season started I think getting some momentum in non-conference play being able to figure out how do we win games in the clutch yeah. uh, was a big point of emphasis for Amanda Levin so this is a, a game where Nevada should move to 2-0 and and after coming off a big win against a team that had been WNIT the last two years uh, we have to see uh, will they have a letdown yeah. you know will, will there be that kind of emotional letdown after you know, playing your season opener, but like you said, a, a game that, that Nevada, both on the men and women's side, should come out victorious on Saturday. So it will be the men at 7 p.m. taking on Loyola Marymount at Lawler Vincent of the women in that 1 p.m. game. Go ahead and check it out, but if not, pull up on Word Kleiner and uh, hang, hang out with us here on Nevada Sports Network. We'll have it televised for you at 1 p.m. Ticket information at 348-PAC or NevadaWolfPAC.com. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, we're going to head to sunny Southern California. Julian Delgadio will join us from, I'm guessing, La Jolla. That was my <laughs> suggestion. We'll see where Julian and the Rez ended up as we continue now. Welcome back to NSN Daily, brought to you by the Dolan Auto Group. You know, it's a tough draw, but somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to go to San Diego. 
uh, in November when it's probably 70 something degrees and absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I think this was the only good draw, actually. Mm -hmm. You're talking about Fresno, you're talking about El Paso, you're talking about uh, Laramie, Logan, Utah. It snowed in Logan, yeah. all the girls. Uh, maybe, maybe Eugene, Oregon, but yeah. like San Diego. I mean, that was the hands down best trip of the year for the Nevada football team. Yeah, I mean, it's San Diego or it's Honolulu. <laughs> Those are the two where you're just yeah. like, okay, I'm going to pounce on that. How did I not jump on this trip? You know who got this trip? Julian Delgadio and Anthony Resnick, and they join us now from, oh my goodness, look at the place, right on the water in San Diego. I, I really, no, I go the ahead. short end of the stick on this one, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Uh, how's the trip down? And uh, we're anticipating a, a pretty good challenge for Nevada on Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nevada has that momentum coming off a win against New Mexico, but I mean, how much do you really draw from a win against a team that was not very good. San Diego State is a top 25 opponent. Their defense is very good. They're averaging about 14 points that they're giving up. Nevada has really struggled offensively. They did find the end zone last game, but before that they went about 90 minutes without a touchdown. I think their last one was against Utah State. So Nevada's got to come out swinging, hit him in the mouth, and hopefully have a chance at, at keeping this close. I think another thing that really stood out for me is just the lack of turnovers Nevada had against New Mexico. Carson Strong had a career game. Devontae Lee had a career game. And uh, Romeo Dubs as well has just been lighting it up the past couple of weeks. But you look at that, and, and if Nevada can play some clean football, they'll be in this one. You know, just over one year ago, Nevada continued a four-game winning streak by beating mm -hmm. Mackey, beating uh, San Diego State at Mackey Stadium. That was a, a pivotal game on, to get to bowl eligibility, but uh, a lot of different faces on, on a couple of these teams right now, and San Diego State defensively is, uh, is absolutely outstanding, Chris. Yeah, I mean, these are very different teams. Nevada was way better last year. San Diego State was way worse, and the game was in Reno. So uh, now there's a 17-point spread. So mm -hmm. they're a much bigger underdog. I'm just curious, really, to see how does Nevada offensively try and attack San Diego State. As we talked about earlier in the week, San Diego State ranks in the top five in the nation in rushing yards allowed per game defensively and rushing yards allowed per carry. Yeah. Uh, Jay Norvell has taken over play-calling duties, and he wants to run the ball. So is that going to be the formula? Are they going to try and run against that brick wall and try and pierce it? Uh, or are they going to try and go to the air and, and go against a little bit more vulnerable Aztec secondary, which is still top 25, top 30 in the nation, but risk some more turnovers. I'd be curious. So, Julian, you're not calling the plays, obviously. Coach Norvell and Coach Mummy are. But Thank goodness. if you were calling the plays, how <laughs> would you try and attack this San Diego State defense, which has just been absolutely phenomenal all season? Yeah, you know, just kind of delving into that, I know that Nevada's really struggled on their run game. They've only had one game this year where they've averaged more than 4.6 yards per carry. And San Diego State, in a lot of ways, is just going to load the box. Nevada's not going to be able to establish a very solid running game. And then you think about what they could do over the air. Nevada has been showing signs of life with Romeo Dubs and you know, Caleb Bossom's been playing a little bit better, and, and their receivers are definitely talented enough to go against San Diego State. It's whether or not Carson Strong uh, is capable of, of playing a complete game. I mean, he threw for more than 300 yards against New Mexico, but I think the biggest thing that stood out for me, no turnovers, and San Diego State, although their secondary is going to be better than New Mexico, they can force those turnovers. I think this game actually comes down to special teams and the turnovers because if San Diego State can score on either of those facets and kind of put Nevada away like that, uh, I think the Pack are going to be in some trouble. Let's talk about the venue a little bit here. And I mean, I understand the allure of playing in an NFL stadium, formerly of the San Diego Chargers. But uh, I, I, is it still called Qualcomm? I mean, I don't no, know. No, it's like SDCU. There are a lot of initials Oh, San Diego involved. Credit Union. Yeah, there That's you where go. It now. <laughs> but um, it's a stadium that is absolutely massive. And I mean, even if San Diego State draws 35,000, 32,000, they're so far away. Yeah. I mean, if I'm San Diego State, do you start looking at, hey, we need to build an on-campus stadium? I mean, not that that's 
you know, because I mean, real estate in San Diego is so <laughs> yeah, cheap. No. But do you start thinking that way, or, or do you go and keep the allure? We'll be back to Julian in a second. Yeah. But uh, do you keep the allure of playing in an NFL stadium? So they would want their own on campus. Yeah. And then there are some negotiations for getting a big chunk of land. They're also trying to get an MLS team. So what do they do with that land? Do they build a football stadium? Do they build multi-use? Do they use it for more student housing? So I would imagine within five, ten years, they are going to have a new stadium. Uh, because while it is a former NFL stadium, and they did play the Super Bowl there the year Jan Arvell coached in the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. it's not the best place for a college. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a capacity usually of 70,000. San Diego yeah. State's list is at about 50. And they're not filling that thing even halfway. Yeah. So even if they do get a good crowd, like you say, 30,000 people come out for a big rivalry game or something like that, it feels kind of empty. Yeah. It kind of feels like, uh, you know, when you go down and play in Hawaii and it's just this huge thing that's cavernous, but you're not allowed to get a lot of sound in there just because it is so big. So I think in a perfect world, they would certainly like something on campus, but that's very, very expensive to do. Colorado State built one and I think it was somewhere around $320 million. So, uh, yeah, th th yeah. That, that's going to take a lot of money even mm -hmm. if you get the land, which like you said in San Diego is not really easy to do. All right, let's get back to Julian Delgado who's putting up with the horrible weather in Southern California. Uh, Julian, I mean, when you go to s certain cities in the Mountain West, you've got to indulge in a few things. Little Italy, you guys are staying right there on the water. Uh, little Italy's got to be one of them. You're going to take res around, you guys going to have a little, little, little fun tonight? You got to. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of playing it by ear where we had, oh my gosh, I forgot the name of our breakfast spot, delicious pancakes, snooze, snooze, uh, an AM breakfast spot, I don't know why that slipped my mind, really good food for, uh, for that meal there. Rez, though, forgot his swim trunks, so I think that we're going to try to find some of those before we meet up with Nevada at 3.15 today. They're doing the Wolfpack walk out at the stadium and, uh, you know, get some sound from those guys. And, yeah, just kind of cruise around town. Uh, Rez has never rode a, uh, what are those, motorized scooters, mm -hmm. so I think that that uh, should be on the list because the weather is so beautiful out. But just kind of hanging by the beach. I'm a Southern California kid, so I really feel like I'm in my element right now, you know, and uh, it's just nice to be in some warmer weather. Although I'm really jonesing for some pow in Northern Nevada. Uh, I was talking to Alex Margulies about this yesterday. No snow on the horizon in the you know foreseeable future. And I'm kind of sad about that because I'm just itching for some of that fresh good good. All right, now let's, Rez, I know Rez can hear me. Uh, Rez, pan around a little bit here so we can show where where you guys are at right there on, on the water. And uh, yeah, just uh, so somebody selling some wares. And we've got uh, <laughs> Boardwalk one, and of the, uh, one of the ships there. Uh, back on the other side, though, Julian, um, you, this is a place where you can take and hop on a cruise ship and go out to Southern California and then down through Baja and into Mexico. And yeah, wow. there's your ride, right? Holy cow. Look at that. Thing. Yeah, that's actually a Disney cruise ship. Uh, I don't believe it's boarding yet, but, you know, looking at this, and I guess this is the cynicism that comes out in my own mind, but I think about the film Titanic, James Cameron, great flick, made a lot of money, but can you imagine back in the day yep. being on something like this in the middle of the ocean, and then this iceberg comes out of nowhere, and you're just, you know, kind of... <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? Of course, you know, that's where Julian's mind goes. <laughs> you're I'm thinking I want to go to Ensenada. I want to go to Puerto Vallarta. He he's, he's, he's thinking, thinking of about James drowning. Cameron and the Titanic. <laughs> hey, this uh, about Jimmy Cameron, yeah. right? This afternoon, you're going to have a unique privilege at the Wolfpack Walk. Trevor Inslee is going to be speaking, who in my mind is one of the top five, if not top three receivers of all time at the University of Nevada. And I 
I'm biased because I got to cover him firsthand and see what that kid did, especially, I mean, his first game as a, as a true freshman, he smoked Oregon at Eugene for over 100 yards, diving out of bounds, and uh, he's, he's a great, great guy. But, uh, yeah, un understand who you're talking to this <laughs> afternoon because he is one of the all-time goats. Yeah, he balled out. I was looking at his Wikipedia site yesterday, and just uh, the stat that really stuck out for me was the fact that he is the first and only receiver in NCAA history to receive for more than 2,000 yards. No one's broken that record yet in a single season, by the way. I forgot to add that little asterisk at the end, but uh, really excited to meet him, pick his brain, and uh, talk some Nevada football with him coming up. Untouchable. Yeah. Flat out untouchable. Julian Delgadio down in uh, Southern California in San Diego. I don't uh, don't work too hard, guys. I mean, we appreciate the effort, but uh, uh, can't wait to see what you guys get at the Wolfpack Walk this afternoon. You, you got to see these sunglasses Rez picked up for a second. No, All right. throw them up. Does he not? This does is, he not look like a rapper? Oh my God, the Rez. T H A R E Z. The Rez. One the word. Rez. I love it. That. Rez doesn't like coming on TV. I love it that he actually came up. That's fantastic. Get that man some swim trunks. Go up to La Jolla. Get in the water. Uh, guys, enjoy the trip, and uh, you know we'll see if Nevada can pull off a win uh, Saturday night. Unfortunately, the record is against them in a big way. As yeah. You dug up that stat: <laughs> 0 and 18 all time against top 25 teams yeah, away guess. from home. And tell the guy that's uh, doing the construction <laughs> to take a lunch, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that noise is pretty annoying. But like you were saying, 0 and 18 all time against top 25 teams. I'm curious though. Uh, San Diego State favored by 17 in this one. They've only beaten one team this year by 17 points, and it was against a team that hadn't had a win yet in New Mexico State. So, if Nevada covers that, I think that that should be a win in itself. <laughs> all right, Julian. Thanks very much. Appreciate your time. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, see you guys. Yeah, kind of a tough draw. Rez making a little. No, appearance. I know. Oh, that's great. Rez is a great guy. Yeah, he puts in a ton of hard work behind the scenes. Seriously. Uh, I don't mind traveling anymore. I traveled so much that I, I hated it yeah, by the end. Both, but like the San Diego one, I, I miss that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned Little Italy, and I like almost start to cry because right. that was my favorite trip of the year. I sometimes I would get to go twice with the basketball game as well, uh, and I would try and extend it a little bit. We were talking uh, before we came on about Coronado. Sometimes we would stay there. Uh, you got Oceanside. You got Carlsbad. That's like the most amazing place in the mm -hmm. world but uh as far as julian saying if they break 17 if they stay under there it's a win now there are no moral victories no no more i actually think if you look at top 25 teams san diego state is the most beatable of the top 25 teams because mm -hmm. the offense is so limited i mean this is a team that runs the ball uh 65 of the time and they're only averaging 3.4 yards per carry yeah. so if nevada's run defense comes to play if they come and they limit what san diego state can do on the ground which a lot of teams have done this year Nevada can stay in the game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're clearly underdogs, but if they don't turn the ball over, if they don't give up big special teams plays, and if they stop the run, they should be in this game for four quarters. Right. Now, we, just, we haven't seen them step up, and that, that's why the, the last three games of the season are so crucial to me. It will define how people look back at 2019, because if Nevada goes out there, uh, it can legitimately still win the West Division. If they win their last three games against Fresno State, San Diego State, and UNLV, they're 5-3 and three in conference. Fresno State's not going to beat that. Hawaii's not going to beat that. Now, San Diego State could beat that if they won out and finish 6-2, mm -hmm. and two, but there are still a lot of possibilities for this team. Right. Uh, they just need to play better. They right. have not played very well when they've played good teams, uh, but I think they're capable of doing that. I think they're more than capable of going out and beating San Diego State if they can throw the ball, if they can uh, play a really good game, which we just haven't seen. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll look back at this season, and it will be defined by what they do in November mm -hmm. because they are sitting at 5-4. and four. That's a good record. Everybody would have taken that to this point. Just the quality of playing that five and four has right. been a little head scratch. In those four, yeah, yes. you're kind of uh, and control alt delete on on those four. Think about what is still a possibility 
for this team. I mean, you're sitting at five wins. If you go out and beat San Diego State, you've beaten a top 25 team on the road for the first time in program history. You get your sixth win. You have momentum. Suddenly, boom, you beat Fresno. You get the cannon back. You, you finish eight and four, mm -hmm. and you go to a bowl game, and this team will be rolling. And then suddenly, the chance at nine wins? <laughs> I mean, the, 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 like, the likeliness of that Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. But at the same time, hey, Channel your inner Quentin Conaway for about five minutes. Show some positivity, man. Yeah. And uh, it's all so out there. And it that, is that's, there. It's still, they just that have to is take the it. fun thing. I think people are so down on this team, and you, it's hard to remember that they're five and four. Yeah. And that's cool to be down on them because they have not performed in good games. And when they've played the lower level competitions, the New Mexico's, the UTEPs, uh, you know, the, the Weaver States, they haven't gone and blown them out. Mm -hmm. So maybe you don't have a lot of faith in them. But I do think if they win this game, you have a road win against the top 25 team, you're bowl eligible, you're potentially back in that mix to win the West Division. I think it would be huge for this fan base. I think people would be really pumped for the last two games. You'd have a bye week to prepare for Fresno State. Everything would be lined up for you. You just got to go out there and beat San Diego State, which is yeah. not going to be easy. But like I said, I think it's the most beatable team in the top 25 right now by far. I, I just hope I don't get any phone calls from Southern California law enforcement <laughs> once Julian and Rez get to get their work done. And probably at about 4 o'clock this afternoon because then they're going to have literally 7.30 game. It's a 7.30 game. Nice one. That's one of those things about when you go to Hawaii and you go to, go to uh, San Diego State, they're going to be late games. Yeah. And, and it's you a love play, it. And it's a play. You love it as a broadcaster or, or as a writer because usually you're flying in and you're flying right back out. Yeah. And maybe it's not, I'm not the greatest city in the country or, or whatever. There's not a lot of fun, fun stuff to do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, San Diego is a place <laughs> where those two young guys might get in trouble. We'll, uh, we'll keep you up on that. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, he's a Douglas Tiger who's trading in the orange and black for the red, white, and blue, and he's done it once again. We'll tell you what Steven Jacobo is going to be up to coming up next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. If you've uh, watched us over the last few years, uh, you know we've become uh, pretty good buddies with a guy by the name of Stephen Jacobo, Gardnerville native, uh, graduate of Douglas High School, who um, unfortunately had that snowboarding accident, uh, the spinal injury. But he just said, you know what, it's not going to stop me, man. Mm -hmm. so he does incredible stunts when it comes to his wheelchair in uh, you know, these, these skate rinks and <laughs> skate parks and that sort of thing, and picked up bobsled. Who just walks up and goes, I'm going to try that. I'm yeah. going to pick up bobsled. <laughs> Started uh, sliding at uh, Park City in 2015, and he's made Team USA, the Paralympic team, once again, pilot for the number two uh, the number two sled for Team USA. Yeah, he was a part of a qualification process. Will Castillo had already locked up the number one spot, and then him and a number of others were going for the final two spots. Him and J uh, Rick Evans uh, got uh, th those final spots for USA's, uh, USA sled two and three. So uh, just a great experience. I mean, he's done a couple of World Cups before. He has a couple of sixth-place finishes, and now he gets to go to Norway uh, next month and be able to compete against the world's best. And it's always, I'm sure, a ton of fun just to travel the world and see places you've never mm -hmm. seen and, and you know go to different tracks and stuff like that. That, but uh, you know, really great to, to see his story uh, kind of go in this direction because he talked a little bit about you know when you when you're such a mobile athlete and you do so many thrill uh, you know sports and then you lose the ability to walk, yeah. you kind of lose your will to some degree as well, right, and you right. need something to kind of get you back into that being excited to wake up every day and being able to uh, kind of flex that excitement muscle, and that's what he's been able to find with the bobsled. Well, he's become an inspiration, and I mean, and it's been over a matter of years, and he's just mm -hmm. kept at it and kept at it and kept at it, and said, no, you're not going to keep me down. I mean, that's if that's not Nevada grit, I don't know what it is. I mean, you talk about uh, he actually took a, a year off, and then uh, was he's, this is his fourth time making making the national team. But, you know, you, you make a great point there, Chris. We've met so many athletes that 
we're extreme athletes or something like that and something will happen and, mm -hmm. and it's dangerous I mean it's it's it is it is sometimes what the what these young men and women do is 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 dangerous and people get hurt unfortunately I mean you're jumping off of you know jumps on a on a ridge or on a mountain bike or something like that and, and people get hurt but the perseverance of two all right what are you gonna do now because yeah. that's got to be when we talked to Stephen we've had him in the studio and had him sitting right here that was one of the things is he woke up the next morning and said what am I gonna do now because it's su such a part of your life and something like that's taken away from you. I can only imagine if like this was taken away from you. What, what do you do next? Yeah. And uh, that's to talk about finding what you have inside. Mm -hmm. And Jacobo has actually just shined. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of uh, great help around this area for people who have to go through that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at Roy Tuscany with the High Fives Foundation, yep, exactly. who's partnered with Renowned, and they go out and they seek people to be able to help them. I mean, he was a, a very good skier as well and got hurt and uh, has been able to get back into skiing and surfing, and now he helps other people who do that. Or you look at Trey Humphrey, a, a local uh, UNR student who uh, went overseas and fought a number of times and ended up losing a leg uh, to an IED, and he had to figure out, okay, what's next for me to be able to live a life that I'm happy with and he got back into skiing and that's mm -hmm. really helped him as well so uh, yeah there are a number of great examples like Steven and others in this community who have had to go through some really difficult times and they had to lean on that network to help them get back on their feet and get back out there and, and be able to really enjoy the remainder of their life because it has to be su such a devastating thing to be able to lose just the ability to walk which yeah. everybody takes for granted and you never think about okay that could be taken away in a split second yeah. uh, to, be, to be able to get back on your feet and to be able to you know enjoy everything you do and to, to use sports still when you lose the ability to walk is, is a great thing so uh, hopefully none of our you know people watching ever have to go through that but of course no, if it does happen there are a lot of people in northern Nevada who can help you in that situation and get you back to uh, you know enjoying everything uh, that your life has to offer. One thing Stephen said to us and it struck me was that he really realized once okay this is my situation this is my reality this is my life now uh, it was that oh I'm a young person my life is not over I can make it whatever I want and still do whatever I want and and he's done that so uh, yeah congratulations to Steven Jacobo uh, Gardnerville native makes the uh, Team USA Paralympic team gonna be piloting bobsled at number two for the red white and blue congratulations those Douglas Tigers man I, I gotta tell you there's grit down there coming up next here on NSN Daily the Douglas Tigers will need grit tonight Segway. <laughs> as they take on the Reed Raiders on the road that's our Friday Night Rivals game of the week we'll have some previews coming up Friday Night Rivals returns to NSN uh, tonight, 7 p.m. It's going to be the Reed Raiders hosting the Douglas Tigers. Let's start off with Reed, coached by Tony Amantia. 5-4, uh, 2-2 two two in league, coming off of uh, the, uh, the loss to Reno and Spanish Springs. Um, if you're Reed, where are you right now? Because, I mean, Reno beat you 27-24, mm -hmm. Spanish Springs 32-28, and, and Spanish Springs arguably is one of the best, if not the best team yeah. in the North. I think I'd be feeling good yeah. because they almost did just beat Spanish Springs, if not for a touchdown right in the final couple of seconds. Had they won that game, they would have won the High Desert League. So yeah. I think they should be feeling positive about how they played last week, and then there should be a lot of confidence coming into this game against Douglas. I mean, they beat Douglas in the first matchup 63-20. to That was the highest-scoring game Reed had all season. They're averaging 41.2 points per game. So I think Reed should be very positive going into this game, uh, and Douglas is going to have to play by far its best game of the season to be able to hang around and have a chance in the fourth quarter against the well, and that's the thing about high school football in our area, in all areas, is that sometimes a team can find lightning in the bottle and suddenly, oh, a pick, and then oh, they score, and it's a momentum, momentum, momentum can change things. Can Douglas, though, 
get that and find it. Can Ernie Monfiletto convince his team that, hey, you're, you're on the road against Reed? I mean, Reed now, a lot like Damani Ranch and a lot like Minogue, a lot like um, uh, teams like Spanish Springs, has the allure factor. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the 90s, it was uh, McQueen had it, Wooster had it, even Elko yeah. had it back in when they were when they were playing at a really, really high level. But, uh, you know, they're getting seven points before they get off the bus. Yeah. You know, so do you think that, do you think that can, it can happen? Can your Douglas Tigers get <laughs> it tonight? I mean, can, yeah, it can happen, but it's going to take a near miracle. I think the biggest key for Douglas is you mentioned the turnovers. are going to have to get a few of those, but they're going to have to really establish the run game. Mm -hmm. Trevor Kruger, a junior running back for Douglas, 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns this season. I think they need to keep the ball on the ground. They need to melt the clock. They need to melt the number of possessions. Reed maybe has the best offense uh, in all of the North. So if Reed is going to be out there, with their offense, mm -hmm. they're probably going to score. Yeah. So if you can keep it down to maybe eight or nine possessions in this game, if you can have some seven, eight-minute drives, I think that's the formula for Douglas. They already have one of the best running backs in the area, but it's going to be very difficult. You look at Douglas uh, this season against the playoff teams at the 4A level. They're 1-5 in five against those teams. They've been outscored 269-103. to So it's going to take uh, a Herculean effort, uh, I think, just to keep this one competitive into mm -hmm. the fourth quarter. And I think that's the case with a lot of the matchups. All of the matchups tonight are repeats from the regular season and all of them were decided by at least 21 points yeah. so the favored seeds are really really favored there are not a lot of games that you would just look on paper and say this is probably going to be close i've got all the favorites winning this week yeah. not next time around but this week i've got all the favorites winning if you are one of those underdogs i think you have to take it and go you know what we need to play the smart not maybe the most no, the, the best game we've ever played, but the smartest game mm -hmm. you've ever played. Sometimes you can win with what's underneath the helmet. And, and like you said, keeping drives together. Do not turn the ball over. Shorten the game. I mean, just be one of those teams that, that honestly, if, you, if you're hanging around, if you're down 14-10 late in the third quarter against Reed, Reed's going to be like, what's going on? Yeah. Start doubting this, that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, that, that's across the board. That's across the board for all, for all underdogs, in my opinion. But uh, we will have the Reed Raiders and the Douglas Tigers for you tonight, 7 o'clock here on Nevada Sportsnet. It'll be Dan Gustin and Mike Rippey on the call tonight on our sister station, News 4. It'll be Alex Margulies and Shannon Kelly on the final Friday Night Lights edition of the season. They'll have highlights from all over the place, including playoff games out in Churchill County mm -hmm. and also at uh, at Fernley. So uh, should be uh, should be a lot of fun. Spring Creek at, at Churchill County should be a heck of a game. And then Fernley's hosting Truckee. You know, I, I have to give credit to the three A's once again. I mean, watching Churchill County play, if if you see those, those kids play, they're well coached and they've got they've got star power at the same time. So yeah. Churchill County um, right now would be my pick in the three A's to maybe win the thing, win the whole thing in one. Why don't we just have the winner of the four? I play the winner. Oh, of the get out of my head, dude! Like, nobody wants to play Bishop Gorman no. anymore. Like, I would love to see that. We know how that's gonna go. I would love to see. So that. let's let's do a true Northern champion, and then we'll crown them as the state champion, and Gorman can go do whatever. I wonder if you if you could <laughs> ask some of these four A coaches off the record and go, hey, all right, what if we could set this up? If yeah. I'm a 4A coach, I'm like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that. What, what's, 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 what do I get out of it? You For know? sure. You, know, it's like, you don't no. want to be beat by the best team in the 3A. Yeah. Then you look a little silly. Yeah. <laughs> But that would be a fun matchup because I do think Fallon could compete with anybody in the 4A. I think so, too. I agree. Uh, because I think the 4A is down a little bit this year. I don't think mm -hmm. it's quite as strong as the top. I mean, I think Bishop Minogue last year was a really, really good team. They had Peyton Dixon. They could lean on him. I think the Monty Ranch, you had a quarterback who's at Michigan now. Yeah. So I think you could say, okay, we feel confident no matter who we're playing. Yeah. 
I feel like whoever comes out of the 4A is going to have some trouble playing the teams from the South. Um, but we'll see. We'll see on that. But, yeah, it should be, uh, you know, fun. And, and I would love to see exactly how Fallon can match up. I don't mm -hmm. think Fallon year in and year out could play with the best teams right. in the 4A. But I think this specific team coming off a state championship last year, returning a lot of those guys, having Eliza Jackson, who's getting scholarship offers He's in two electric. sports as your quarterback. Yep. I do think that they have what, what it would take uh, to come out and beat a Spanish Springs or a Damani Ranch or Bishop Minogue, whoever ends up winning this 4A championship. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily, it's our Dollar Loan Center Money Play of the Week. And some quick thinking by a BART employee saving someone's life. Yeah, we're going to hear from the man that was drug out of the clutches there of death. That's coming up next. You know, every week here on Fridays, we go to the Dollar Loan Center Money Play of the Week. Chris, we've had skiers that have fallen down off mountains and said I'm one. okay. <laughs> we've had uh, high school touchdowns that have been astounding that OBJ would have thought were really cool. <laughs> this is a California man who... Uh, you know, thanking his lucky stars tonight that he's alive, and it's because of a transportation supervisor with BART. You've probably seen the video, but it's worth watching again. 33-year-old Sean Jackson, we're going to ISO him here, slips and falls onto the rails, and that's Supervisor John O'Connor, Saragana, bringing him out of the, out of the tunnel, and I don't know how he doesn't get clipped by this train. Uh, he had just come back from the Raiders game. He was looking for his buddies and takes a bad step and falls down onto the rails. And Jackson, just seconds from being struck, transportation supervisor John O'Connor reached down. And I don't know, is that one of those moments where you get that adrenaline and you lift the car off the baby sort of thing? Because, yeah. I mean, that's a grown man that he's literally pulling, what, five feet off, six feet from six feet down maybe? I mean, it is credible because you're literally talking about maybe two or three seconds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was no time to go down and get him and fish him out of there. Uh, so to have that kind of awareness and be able to do that in such a quick time frame, uh, I mean, that's, that's so scary. I mean, like, what if you're the driver of that train and you see that happen right in front of you and you obviously can't stop in right. like a two-second time frame? So very, very lucky, uh, very, very thankful, and I, I'm sure that... Uh, uh, you know, whoever pulled him out, John O'Connor, uh, mm -hmm. deserves a little something from that man down the road. <laughs> exactly. John, John O'Connor is a hero. Uh, a TV station caught up with the man whose life was saved. That's Sean Jackson. And we got his perspective of what happened. I knew I only had a couple of seconds because I heard the train. I felt the a vibration on the rails coming. And I could see the light coming out the tunnel. And as soon as I seen the light, I jumped up and trying to get out the way. And I, 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 missed, my, I missed my jump, the first jump. I did it again. I actually felt like the men grabbed me in the midair and took me out the way. Yeah, no kidding. He <laughs> took you out of the way. John O'Connor, certainly a hero. Now, Jackson had to be taken to a hospital to be checked out. Um, he's, he, he was fine. But when it came, this is a funny story here. I hate to laugh at this. But when it came time for him to go home, he didn't take the train. <laughs> he took an Uber. He actually yeah. took an Uber. Smart boy. And the, uh, the, uh, the Oakland Raiders honored John O'Connor, uh, BART Transportation Supervisor, for, for his efforts during the game last night against the Chargers, which the Raiders won. We got that wrong. We did get that I was rooting very hard for the Chargers last right. night because I know we had both said that we would put our money on them. Uh, and then the, the Raiders would go ahead and they mm -hmm. missed the extra points. So I'm like, okay, the Chargers are going to come back. They're going to score. They're going to win by one, not the one and a half. Yeah. And we're going to be wrong even though the Chargers win. But a huge win for the Raiders. I mean, it really puts them on track to make the, the playoffs at this point. I mean, they have uh, two... Uh, winnable games, the Jets and the Bengals next. They should be sitting at 7-4. and four. Derek Carr came up clutch when they needed to. But I was most impressed by that Raiders pass rush. Mm -hmm. I mean, Phillip Rivers looked really, really bad yeah. uh, for most of that game, and especially on that final drive. 
typically you have a quarterback like Phillip Rivers, you give him a minute, you feel like you can get into field goal range to be able to get a kickoff. Certainly. Uh, that, they were just absolutely dominant, uh, overwhelming that San Diego Chargers, or Los Angeles Chargers, I guess, uh, offensive front. So uh, really great job by the Raiders. Josh Jacobs came up big on that last series, and uh, they are in line right now to potentially steal a playoff berth. Uh, you know what? Why not? I, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, I'm not a Raider fan, but you know what? I'll jump on the bandwagon and, uh, because I've got friends that are Raider fans, and they're so excited. I, I think, but they're Bay Area Raider fans, and they're they're like, you know what? I'm, they're really sad to see their team pack up and have to leave the Coliseum. But at the same time, the way this team is being sent out says so much about the fan base because you and then look at John Gruden at the end of the game he's <laughs> hugging random strangers you've got grown men selfie with me John and they're crying because you're losing your your team yeah. I mean I, I I remember I was I was a very young man when the Giants were possibly moving to St. Petersburg before the Rays were even exist mm -hmm. back in the day <laughs> and I I didn't know what to think I remembered asking my dad and going what if my team lo leaves yeah what do I do? <laughs> we said a lot in the show. What do I do now? You know, but uh, you can see that Raider Nation, I mean, beyond the Darth Vader masks and the spikes in the shoulders and all that, I've been down there. I've covered games. I got to cover Nate Burleson when he played for the Vikings, and we were able to be there for tailgaters. Great people out in the parking lot, mm -hmm. and, and for the majority, granted, there were, there were some scuffles in the stands, <laughs> and it happens. It's a football game. It happened. Have you been to Buffalo? Go to a game at your Bills. Uh, no, but we, we only beat up folding chairs and <laughs> folding tables. We just jump off. You didn't see the, the video from the Giants game, did you? <laughs> no. Were we being bad? Are you, are you Bills Mafia? <laughs> are we being bad? Uh, I mean, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Yeah. Like, I went back to Buffalo for when Nevada played there. I think it was the 2015 season. Mm -hmm. That is a cold place. Yeah. So to be able to have that kind of fortitude to go out there and tailgate for six, seven, eight hours, uh, you know, it, it takes a special kind of person. But is that love of your team? Yeah. And, you know, Buffalo loves the Bills so much and almost got them taken away. The Raiders love this team. Uh, you know, the fans, they just absolutely adore them, and they've been so supportive, and it is a shame uh, that they're going to Nevada. I mean, I guess great for our state, but these are fans who have been fans for a long, long time, and they've had to go through uh, going down to Los Angeles mm -hmm. and coming back and now going to Las Vegas, and uh, they've lost the Warriors over to, uh, you know, San Francisco. Yeah. So it's just tough for them, and while not a Raiders fan, yeah, it would be great to see them make the playoffs and have a run and have a home playoff game and, you know, send them away uh, with some good memories from this last season and not, you know, go through the kind of campaign where they went through last year where there was not a lot to celebrate. Yeah. So from that perspective, it has been really cool to see the Raiders be in the hunt uh, and be able to give their fans a really good product in the last season. I can only imagine the environment if Oakland got a home <laughs> playoff game to finish this year. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. I mean, they'd probably cause an earthquake just with the fans <laughs> jumping around in that stadium. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens over the next coming weeks. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, we've seen it happen at Lawler Event Center, and Cody Martin did it last night in the NBA, uh, posterizing somebody. Great video and sound coming up next. That's what this team is all about. Martin! the sneak dunk Robert Williams welcome to your Kodak moment my friend yeah thank you very much Kevin Harlan for getting it right he always does the great broadcaster for TNT yes Cody Martin the rookie out of Nevada with his posterizing 
of the Celtics. Uh, so great to hear. That was uh, Reggie Miller, uh, Hall of Famer, also going, no, he didn't. You know what? You didn't see him play at Nevada. <laughs> if you didn't think that this was a sneak dunk, that's not a sneak dunk. That's just what the Martins do. Ask Utah State about that. That's oh, on Robert and, Williams. And he that gets guy popped has a right across the mouth. Six wingspan. Yeah, that guy's a monster. Yeah. Uh, a great play by Cody. Yeah, and he's really earned a nice role with the team. He's played in all but one of the team's games. Last week against the Warriors, he absolutely was dominant. In like the last 90 seconds, mm -hmm. he stole a ball off an inbounds pass. He got an offensive rebound. Uh, he made the key plays to win that game against the Warriors. So uh, finding a nice niche, uh, maybe not having the statistical year that everybody wants to have, yeah. but he's making winning plays, and I think that's why he was drafted. Anybody who watched him at Nevada, like you said. This is a guy who can do so many things and he'll make winning plays when the game matters. So, uh, you know, he's done a really nice job so far with the Hornets. Seven points in 16 minutes. Also had three rebounds, three assists, two steals, and uh, only one foul. But for me, if you're Charlotte, you have to be kind of going, yeah, yeah. This is what we saw in this kid is that mm -hmm. we saw that he's a glue guy and he can do pretty much everything. The quote that I've seen out of the Charlotte camp is he's playing so well they can't keep him off the court. They're having to have to keep him on the court because he helps him win basketball games. But if you're the Charlotte fan base, which I, we see a lot of it on social media, so you can see him coming around when it comes to Cody. Caleb just needs to get healthy and get out there and, and play the way that Caleb can play. So, yeah. But if you're, if you're a Nevada fan, can you imagine two years ago from right now, you would not have thought this was going to be the scenario. Yeah. You would have been, oh, Caleb would have been drafted, and Caleb would have been having all these accolades and, and getting the ESPN, I think it was number four in top ten. Mm -hmm. You know, you would have thought it was Caleb. But, you know, like, kudos to Cody because his entire life he's been kind of the second guy. Yeah, the guy sure. that's like, oh, well, Caleb's really good. But, oh, you want to have Cody come <laughs> too? And now Cody's like, no, it's my time now. Well, that was when they were going through the recruitment process when they were leaving and transferring from North Carolina State. That's what made them – come to Nevada as Eric Musselman showed more enthusiasm to try and get Cody than Caleb. And mm -hmm. I think that was part of the recruiting pitch. And he knew that Caleb cared so much about his brother that he was even looking more for a school that was going to help his brother get to its potential rather than himself because he was kind of the star. And they did do a number of visits. And some schools were like, you know, we got a scholarship for you. We'll take your brother if we have to. Uh, but obviously, Nevada saw something very special in Cody. They were able to allow him to develop as a point guard, which I think really helped his stock. Uh, and now, yeah, he's, he's making a niche in the NBA. And anybody who kind of knew their games knew that Cody was probably the better prospect mm -hmm. if he would have talked to Eric Musselman. Nothing disparaging against Caleb, who's no. a terrific player as well. But they just knew that a six foot six point guard that can defend really, really well, you don't find a lot of those. So, yeah, maybe he's a second-round draft pick because maybe the ceiling isn't super, super high, but he's a second-round draft pick that if you draft this guy, you know he's going to be a contributor to your team, and that's what he's been so far this season. So it's not a surprise that he's getting more and more minutes uh, as they see what he can do for their squad. A few weeks ago we talked about it, and you and I agreed that we thought that both Caleb and Cody would see some time in the G League mm -hmm. this year. Do you think right now Cody has played himself up to maybe – taking that off the table if you're Charlotte Hornets front, front office brass or Well, th the thing with Charlotte is they have the ability to play younger guys. Yeah. This is not a team that's going to be in the playoffs this season. So you have to try and figure out, okay, who are our keepers on this roster? Because mm -hmm. they have a lot of young guys. So if, if you want to know whether Cody and Caleb are keepers at the NBA level, the only way you can figure that out is by playing them at the NBA level. Yeah. If you send them down to the G League, they're going to dominate the G League, and that's yeah. not really going to tell you much about what they are as NBA players. So I guess I wouldn't be shocked at this point, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if they do say okay let's just try and figure out whether these are, are guys that we want at this level all right should be fun this weekend nevada women's basketball one o'clock right here san diego state on saturday night we'll see it all in